When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is voting for Jack Cause he's got what all the rest lack Everyone wants to back Jack Jack is on the right track Cause he's got Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, once again, and I hope you are having a lovely week. I have a pretty packed episode today, so I'm going to get started with a Q&A. Therefore, in answer to your question... So I actually did a Bobby-specific Q&A this week because I knew that my episode was about Bobby, so I wanted questions about him. I got a ton of responses, so I'm going to combine the ones that I'm not going to answer today into my other pool of questions for Q&As, and we'll probably answer some of yours in the future. So here are the two that I'm going to answer, though. First, best actor that portrayed Bobby. In my opinion, it was Barry Pepper in the Kennedys series. I truly cannot believe how much that man looked, sounded, acted, everything just like everything I've ever seen of Bobby Kennedy. It's unreal. So by far, Barry Pepper for me. Second question, and I got this one a lot. Do you think Bobby would have been a good president? I, as you will see by this episode, adore Bobby and what he stood for. I think he would have been personally a phenomenal president. I think he would have gone after all the things that he felt necessary to go after. I think he had a very strong sense of what was right, and he would have fought for that really hard. So yeah, I do believe he would have been a great president. All right, I'm going to get into the episode now. So today's episode will be, as I said, about Bobby. It's going to be a chronological look at his life. My main source for today is the PBS American Experience documentary on Bobby. I looked for like one big source to use, and I felt this one was the most non-biased, good look at his life in full scope. Although I did notice an incorrect date during the film, so I did fact check a few dates and places to make sure that they were correct. And for the sake of time and my format, as usual, I will obviously not be able to mention every single detail of his life in great length, and I may not talk about a specific thing that you think should be mentioned, but have no fear. Because this is an entirely Kennedy-based podcast, I will obviously be revisiting many of the things that I mentioned today in future episodes to give way more details about certain topics, and I'll eventually talk about other things in Bobby's life, too, that I won't even be mentioning today. There were so many side facets and things that um, I couldn't include in this episode. So remember, anything on your mind about Bobby that you want talked about probably will be in another episode. Don't worry. So let's get started. Robert Francis Kennedy was born on November 20th, 1925 in Brookline, Massachusetts to Joseph P. and Rose Kennedy. He was the third boy and the seventh child to the Kennedy Nine. And because of this, he was seen as kind of weaker in his family. He was smaller, pretty awkward, kind of shy. His father even called him the runt of the family. Bobby, just being so much younger, was never really seen in the same way by his father that his big brothers, Joe Jr. and Jack, were when he was a child. He was a total mama's boy. He was very, very, very close to Rose. Because of this, he really latched onto the Catholic faith of his mother and was very religious from an early age. He was just sensitive and very in touch with his feelings. He even kind of led his grandmother to think that he was, and I quote, a sissy. 
Now, if there's one thing we all know about the Kennedys, it's that they're insanely competitive. Losing was not allowed. They had to be the strongest and the best, according to their father. And one day, determined to show that he was tough, Bobby dived off the sailboat to attempt to swim to shore by himself at only four years old. But he ended up having to be pulled out by his big brother, Joe. So according to the documentary, Jack was later quoted saying, it either showed a lot of guts or no sins at all. Fast forward to high school. This was in the midst of World War II, so he knew that he wanted to fight in the war like his older brothers when he could. But then in the summer of 1944, Joe Jr. tragically passed, making Bobby kind of move up in status, for lack of a better term, in the family to the second-ranking son. He was still so young, though, only 18, so he just didn't really know what he was supposed to do in his life. And I do want to mention that he did join the military six weeks before his 18th birthday in 1943, enlisting in the United States Naval Reserve as a seaman apprentice. He was released from active duty in March of 1944 when he left Milton Academy early to report to the V-12 Navy College training program at Harvard College in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That information is from Wikipedia. He goes on to college, plays some football, goes to law school, then in 1948 he marries Ethel at the age of 24. They were such a smart and silly match. They had a blast together and really did just have a wonderful chemistry. You can kind of see that chemistry if you really look into their old home videos and how they're always goofing off together and just, just fun together. They started their family quickly and became the first to give Joseph P. and Rose a grandchild a year after their wedding. They went on to have 11 children and raised their kids to have strong faith. Their home was always chaotic and fun with animals everywhere and not much structure at all. Bobby was a very hands-on father and he made sure he was always there for his kids. I actually think I'll do a total episode on Hickory Hill one day because the stories <laughs> from that house are so entertaining. At this time in his life, Bobby was already developing the personality that would mostly stick with him. He was super tough and rigid and often called ruthless. He had a really short temper, but he it was weird because he was actually super soft on the inside. He was extremely caring and loving and had an incredibly strong moral compass. He would fight and fight for whatever he thought was right and didn't care at all what people around him thought about what he did. So in 1952, Jack asked him to become his campaign manager as he ran for the Senate. Jack's campaign was not going well. But honestly, Jack probably won because of Bobby. He did so much work behind the scenes and was quoted saying, I don't care if anyone around here likes me as long as they like Jack. He then controversially worked for a while with Wisconsin Senator Joseph McCarthy. He actually grew to really admire and look up to McCarthy. Bobby thought that he was doing the right thing working for him, though, because he was trying to fight communism and, quote, root out evil. This really messed with his reputation, but he only worked with McCarthy for about six months. Then Bobby's toughness really started to show when he became the chief legal counsel for the Senate Racket Committee, where he was going after labor unions and mobsters. So here's a clip of him going after labor leader Jimmy Hoffa, the president of International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Did you say that SOB, I'll break his back? Who? You. After say to who? To anyone. Figure his speech. I don't even know who I was talking about, and I don't know what you're talking about. Well, uh, Mr. Hoffa, all I'm trying to find out, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. I'm trying to find out whose back you were going to break. Figure his speech. Figure his speech. Bobby never was able to crack Hoffa after many hearings, and Hoffa was quoted saying, I used to love to bug the little bastard. Now, with Jack also being a member of the Senate Racket Committee, it was around this time that Bobby and Jack became media sensations along with their family. They were beautiful, they were smart, they were glamorous. The public loved them, just as they still do. They were all over the magazines. In September of 1959, he resigned from the Racket Committee because Jack was running for president, and he needed his help with the campaign. Bobby was tough and focused as usual, and it was during this time, too, that LBJ and Bobby began hating each other. There's a story behind it that I'll cover in a future episode, of course, but a lot of it, in my opinion, really boils down to the fact that they had literally completely different personalities. 
As we know, Jack went on to win the 1960 election by only about 120,000 votes. And then Jack offered him the attorney general position. This was obviously a very controversial choice, given that Bobby had no actual courtroom experience, and he was Jack's brother. It all wasn't received well, but Bobby really proved himself quickly to be the perfect choice and man for the job. These White House years strengthened Bobby and Jack's relationship so much. They really connected and became such a fantastic team. They were said to be able to finish each other's sentences and just just were so connected, closer than ever. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about Bobby and civil rights. Bobby was truly a changed man when it came to the civil rights movement. I know I've talked about this before, but I want to mention again the fact that at the beginning, he was fairly dismissive of the movement and wished it wasn't happening as it was causing a lot of bad press and stuff. But he quickly realized through a series of events how important it was and was completely on board. Here's John Lewis talking about Bobby. It was probably the first time in the history of our country that an American president was said that the question of civil rights, the question of race, was a moral issue. And he had the encouragement of Robert Kennedy to push him in this direction. Robert Kennedy was learning. He was growing. He said to me, John, I now understand the young people have educated me. And you can see it. You can feel it. The last time Bobby ever saw Jack was at his home, Hickory Hill, on November 20th, 1963, at his 38th birthday party. It was just two days later that he received the horrible phone call that his brother had been killed. This completely changed Bobby. He absolutely spiraled into complete despair, understandably so. He and Jackie grew close as they mourned the loss that really only the two of them felt like they understood. And it was then she encouraged him to read a lot of ancient Greek literature, which he would read and memorize and later quote in his speeches. He wore his brother's coat. He wept a lot, asked God why kind of lost his identity. He had to figure out what was he without Jack. They had so many things that they were working toward. How would they all come to fruition? Well, gradually he stood by and watched Johnson pass through many of the things JFK had put into motion, such as the Civil Rights Act. To Bobby, it was hard to see LBJ take credit for things that he felt Jack really made happen. It was around that time that he decided he needed to run for something himself to continue the Kennedy legacy. I shall resign from the cabinet to campaign for election. I shall devote all of my effort and all whatever talents that I possess to the state of New York, this I pledge. August 22nd, 1964, Bobby announces he's running for New York Senate. The public was overjoyed, but unfortunately, Bobby began the campaign journey, and it was fairly evident that he wasn't quite ready. He was pretty awkward and couldn't really communicate well. He quoted Jack a ton and tried to mimic the way that he had moved and, like, acted and done his mannerisms, and he wasn't really showing himself. I mean, he had always been behind the scenes, and that was showing. It became evident to Bobby during the campaign that, unfortunately, he would not win without the endorsement of LBJ. And LBJ wanted a Democrat Senate. So he showed support for Bobby, and he probably wouldn't have won without Johnson's help. Here's a clip of the phone call afterward between the two of them. Well, you did a great job. We got a lot to be thankful for, Bobby, and give our love to Ethel. And uh, let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's uh, stay as close together as he'd want us to. That'd be fine. That'd be fine, Mr. President. Congratulations, though. Tell all that staff of yours that we ain't, ain't nobody going to divide us, and I, I'll tell mine the same way, and we'll uh, right. we'll move ahead, and uh, right. there's there plenty in life for all of us. That's right. That's right. I'm proud of you. Thanks very much, and thanks for your help. Thank you for calling. Made a hell of a difference. Bye. Thanks. Now, Bobby really didn't love the Senate. 
It was super slow, and he was such a go-getter that he really wanted things done immediately. But he was a very unique senator in that he really had his feet on the ground to fight poverty and injustice because he wanted to create change, not just make speeches about it. So he visited and advocated for many impoverished communities and people in need. These visits and moments really changed him to his core and impacted his entire life. So then began this long internal fight for Bobby of, does he support the Vietnam War? Does he not support it? Does he speak out against Johnson? Or does he stand by him? I know I'm saying this a lot, but I promise I will address this more in a future episode because it's such a fascinating saga, this story is. But eventually, after being treated horribly by Johnson in a meeting over a disagreement about a Newsweek article, Bobby said he'd never associate with LBJ again. And a month after the argument, he spoke out against the war. So through much deliberation and a lot of back and forth, Bobby finally decided to run for the presidency in 1968. And not long after he announced he was running, Johnson pulled out of the race. Bobby always kind of wondered if it was because of him. As we've all seen from the footage, the campaign was nuts. People would show up by the thousands to greet Bobby, pulling off his cufflinks and his ties. They were absolutely crazy about him and what he promised for America. And for this campaign, Bobby did an absolutely incredible job. He really came into his own and developed his own sense of who he was. Also, he was pretty fearless. He truly showed, as I said before, who he really was, that he would stand for what was right, justice for all, no matter if it was popular or not. And this appealed to so many people and set him apart from the rest. Okay, I have to highlight on this, although I'm pretty sure I have talked about this before, but on April 4th, 1968, Bobby had to share with a crowd in Indianapolis that Martin Luther King Jr. had tragically been assassinated. A lot of people actually discouraged Bobby from even going to this event because they were kind of afraid it was dangerous, much less sharing this kind of news. But he spoke from his heart and connected so much with the crowd. There were over a hundred riots in various cities across the U.S. that night, but Indianapolis was not one of them, and many say that's because of the powerful words that Bobby delivered. In this difficult day, in this difficult time for the United States, it's perhaps well to ask what kind of a nation we are and what direction we want to move in. For those of you who are black, considering the evidence evidently is that there were white people who were responsible, you can be filled with bitterness and with hatred and a desire for revenge. We can move in that direction as a country and greater polarization, black people amongst blacks and white amongst whites filled with hatred toward one another. Or we can make an effort as Martin Luther King did to understand and to comprehend and replace that violence that stain of bloodshed that is spread across our land with an effort to understand compassion and love. He was on track to win the nomination, if not the presidency, when on June 5th, 1968, he was shot at the Ambassador Hotel in California, and he sadly died the next day. In the journey by train back to Arlington Cemetery two days after his death, people of all backgrounds lined the tracks to pay their respects. We're all left with the question, what would Bobby have done for the country if he had lived? He was truly an incredible person who fought and fought for what was right, and I hope after hearing this brief overview of his life that you will dive deeper into researching his impact yourself. He was truly an inspiring human being. My favorite poet was Aeschylus. He once wrote, Even in our sleep, pain which cannot forget, 
falls drop by drop upon the heart until in our own day despair against our will comes wisdom through the awful grace of God. So that's all I've got for today's episode. I hope you learned something new. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate it five stars and write a positive review. You know that helps me so much and I would really, really, really appreciate it. Check out the links I'm going to put in the show notes for my recommendations site, for my spreadsheet shop. All that kind of stuff will be in the show notes and I will talk to you guys next week. Come on and vote for Kennedy. Vote for Kennedy. Keep America strong. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling along. Vote for Kennedy. I'm Ken Harbaugh host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.